I want to tell y'all, Pastor's book, now this is a, uh, some writing is on this. It's an edited version, but I did finalize it on Amazon the other day. So you should be able to go on Amazon and look up If Any Man. I should have had something for the screen. And you can buy Pastor's book now. We are going to be getting some copies. It's on ebook as well. You can download like a digital copy. But just special thanks to Barbara, Nikki, Pastor Lisa, um, Gene Gant, some of Barbara's friends, maybe one, two, three of them. I don't know how many people worked on this book, but everybody in this church, even maybe Pastor Jeannie, everybody had a, a kind of a hand to play in making this thing possible. And he's been talking about this for a really long time. And something interesting Brother Hagen says, the printed page will be the largest distribution of the gospel in the last days. And I thought more about that because if you want to know how to have an impact on society after you're gone, or after you leave a uh, seminar, it's really a book, right? Yeah. Kind of to take that person's um, faith or their ideas and adopt them and read them and study them. Because, you know, after you go to all the Pastor Mark's meetings and the running and the jumping and the shouting and, you know, you hear the word and then, you, you know, you forget about three quarters of it after you leave. You go back and you grab his books after he's, it's easier when he said it and then to read it and put the words with the, the words on the page. And so... I think this is God's going to be using this. We may get them in Spanish. We'd have to get them translated so we can take them down to Honduras. Amen. And, um, Amen. and they're, they're, this, this, is how, uh, this is how it starts. This is the first book. We got the second one and a third one, right, is already in the works. We have an illustrator working on the little creature right now for children. And children are the key to the city because you, you get them while they're young. Because I think by the age of eight or nine, they've already determined what they believe in. And so that's why it's good to start getting the word of God in them young. So in case anybody wanted to know about that, I'll have, we're ordering some. I got to check them, but I'm pretty sure we've made a couple of revisions and I think that they're good at this point. So that's going to be awesome. Take them, hand them, you know, you're talking to somebody. It's nice to hand them a, a little book and we'll probably, I'm, you know, I'm not sure what, I think they'll be 15 bucks when they get here. Maybe pastor give you guys a discount being the home church. You have to talk to them about that. But um, we're super excited that this is finally happening because I've already, the Y series I want to put into a book and um, I'm already thinking now that I'm doing prosperity tonight, I have all these notes from years of confessions that I've written and they're all prosperity scriptures because I just, every week I type new ones up and I have hundreds of them now. And I would love to put maybe a small one, uh, maybe make a small prosperity book and then maybe a bigger one, kind of like Pastor Mark's, but maybe something a little bit that's not so, you know, 50 translations, but because some of the people have asked me, where do I start finding these scriptures and making confessions? Because Hebrews 4 says, hold fast to your confession of faith. And one thing I've learned from Pastor Mark is you daily have to make your confessions before, as you wake up and start telling your day like Dr. Varala says what it'll be because your day will start speaking back to you right away. And as soon as you start making your confessions, it, it is Amazing how it starts to change your day. And so I, I want to make a little prosperity book and maybe even a bigger one and just different topics that people can grab. And you guys, we can hand out, hand to people because we've had a lot of new people coming in. And, um, you know, we don't really have like divine healing books that we'd have. We have Pastor Trina's book, but it's, I mean, it's always sold out right away. As soon as we get it, it's gone. It's got the CD of Pastor Mark reading all the healing scriptures. And so we, I think God's doing some amazing things and we're going to keep moving in that direction. And I think we got some other maybe authors in here and book writers and that, that are writing books. And so I think God in the last days is getting books out and, you know, for people to read. And so I'm really excited. 
But tonight's message, uh, we're on our 12th message of the Y series. I actually took a photo of all of them that we did because it's been pretty excited that this all started with one guy in the gym. Where's Zach? He's outside. And Zach and I were talking to him, and I looked at Zach, and I said, what would you have said if he wanted to know more about the Holy Spirit? And so that was kind of started maybe, you know, what we should teach a very basic series on some fundamentals of faith, because every so often we'll have new people come in, they need to, we need to hear the fundamentals again, and go over them, because a lot of times, like, I experienced something in my body last year, where I've heard about healing my entire life, but the you know, God had me go over the fundamentals again. And I remember we went through the healing class in the Bible school, which was amazing. And that was, you know, stirring my faith up. And then we got to the name of Jesus. And that simple subject of just by faith in his name has made this person whole. Just by faith in the name that when Jesus died and rose again, that the father gave him a name that would be above every name. And so that really, I mean, I remember having a, a, it was like a really bad rash that was there for years, and at that point, it started to dry up and become whole. And I was reading Brother Hagin's book, The Name of Jesus, a very simple book. And so a lot of times, going back over the foundations again can help strengthen, you think about a foundation and you're just going like a big metal or a um, concrete slab, and you're just laying more on top of that slab, and that foundation's getting bigger and thicker. Well, usually in construction, you need a bigger foundation to hire a building or, a ho- let's say, a hotel building that you're going to build. You want to go up so many feet, so many feet wide, your foundation will have to go that much deep as well because they'll, they'll put the foundation deep into the earth with you know, concrete to make so that foundation can go higher. And so sometimes when God wants to take you higher, your foundation of the basics will have to be uh, strengthened because think about concrete is a very basic substance, but, and it's not complicated. But you need a lot of it to build a, a building so that all the intricate parts of a hotel or a, you know, whatnot can be up there and you can see the beauty of it, but the foundation is very simple. But you have to have a lot of it. And so that was something the Lord kind of started dealing with me. And so we did um, why the Holy Spirit, why Jesus, why faith, why church, why holiness, why prayer, why serve, why man, why healing, why plans, and then why in Christ. And the 12th one, which is funny, the number 12 is why prosperity. And I thought, I think number 12 has to do with the number of completion. I mean, Jesus had 12 disciples, and then after Judas, I think Matthias, or whatever his name was, replaced him. And so they, you know, they kept the 12 disciples. And so I thought it was funny how I was praying, and the Lord says, we're going to end the why series on why prosperity. So dad, I kept telling him, I said, hey, we need to do this one. And he goes, oh, I'll do that one. I'll, you know, I'm like, okay. So then eventually <laughs> it fell on that I'm doing it. So um, something, Doug, Pastor Doug Banks and we were at one night, we were over there, and, and um, he was Mary Fran, Dr. Varala, was ministering, if you know who she is, a uh, very, very prominent minister. She's been around a long time, all over America. She's done crusades all over the world. And she went in the back room, and Pastor Doug looked at me, and he said, you got a gift of prosperity or a spirit of prosperity all over you. He said, get up and take the offering and up. And I'm like, I'm the brokest person in here probably. What are you talking about? I don't have a dime to give tonight. I'm, you know, I'm struggling. <laughs> and so... It's funny how God called Gideon a mighty man of valor as he was hiding in a cave. So God sees you as prosperous. 
Why? Because he put that in his son Jesus, and that's already in you, and he calls you prosperous. And we're going to look at the foundation of why do we even believe in this subject. Is it just another doctrine that, you know, Brother Hagin had started? Or is there actually, if you start going through the Bible, there's over 2,000 scriptures on prosperity, on God prospering people. And a thousand of them are going to be warnings and a thousand are going to be the promises of God. And I love what brother or pastor Mark says, God wants to bless you so bad. It's actually dangerous because it could corrupt you. People, you can get off if you're not constantly going over both sides. So a church, some churches, you know, people complain. All they talk about is the promises of prosperity. And some churches, you can, if you look at it and you can take all the warnings and preach them all the time and say money's bad but you have to preach the entire gospel. You can't preach just one side of it. And so um, there's a funny saying that Pastor Mark says, I've been broke and I've been rich and rich is better. (laughs) And so what I I think is funny when people kind of go, I was watching something online one time and a guy was selling, it's called the Anti-Prosperity Club. And it was on a t-shirt. And he was promoting it with an ad on Facebook to sell it, to make money, to prosper. I mean, how dumb can you get and, and still do business? That, it's, that's just, that's, to me, it's crazy. You're trying to sell a product to prosper, and you're saying you don't believe in prosperity. And so all the comments where you're selling a shirt to make money and you don't believe them. And I don't think anybody bought the shirt. I mean, it was a cool logo, but it was about the dumbest ideology that I've ever heard. The essence of man wants to prosper. You get up and go to your job. Why? To prosper. It takes money to live. A kid one time, we were soul winning, and he said, I don't need money to preach the gospel. I said, okay, where do you live? Well, I live with my parents. Okay, well, dad's paying, putting a house over your head, right? Yeah. Who's paying for your clothes? Who's buying your food? Who's paying for the education? It costs money to go to the grocery store and to eat, especially when you become a, you know, 20-something-year-old man. Ask my mom. She always, that's the one thing she always said. You guys just, I buy groceries, and the next day you guys eat the whole fridge out. Cost me $250, you know. She tells us all the time how much she was spending on us. <laughs> so just in that essence, it costs to even live if you're just going to even just witness to somebody one-on-one for you to breathe and you know in creation it costs money for you to be alive you got to pay taxes and so all this stuff you got to have transportation got to have a car got to have insurance got to have life insurance got to pay all, all kinds of medicaid medicare all this stuff just to be alive so you have to prosper and people will pro- they live to prosper but then they'll come and say i don't believe in the prosperity message and it's like what are you doing every day you're going to work to prosper. And so God did not design man. It's in his core, his DNA to prosper because really the truth is, is it's who God is. It's the essence of him. He's prosperous. He's always expanding. He's increasing. He's creating. He's providing. He's blessing and he's abounding. And so Deuteronomy 30, we're going to go there. Chapter, uh, verse 9. And I, and I find that amazing how even the story about Jesse Duplantis when he was in heaven and he said that he saw the throne of God and all the children were the thoughts of God and he would breathe life into them and they would go to the earth. And it was just kids all day. I mean, so God's creating. He's creating planets and stars and children. And you got to think about he's abounding. He's, uh, he's never with the children of Israel. 
He didn't, he told them to do what? Be fruitful and to multiply, subdue the earth. He didn't tell them, hey, it's your four, no more. You guys are good, have fun. That's all, I'm, you know, I'm on a budget up here. <laughs> so he didn't say that. He was always commanding them. And so I want to st- read some of that, 30 verse nine. The Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand. Right, just right there. I mean, you're talking, uh, even in Genesis, it talks about Deuteronomy, the Lord your God will make you abound in all the work of your hand, the fruit of your body, and in the increase of your livestock, the produce of your land for good. The Lord will again rejoice over you for good as he rejoiced over your fathers. And so, I love it in that one verse, he's talking about them abounding, increasing, producing, getting land, and then he said, I'm going to rejoice over you. And so that was some of the, the first commandments of the Old Testament. It was God was telling them, to, he wanted them to abound. And that's because that's in his heart. Genesis 1.22. Go back a few chapters. This is the core of who he is. 1.22. And God blessed them saying, be fruitful and Multiply. Fill the waters of the sea, let the birds multiply on the earth. And the evening, the morning, the sun were the fifth day. So God's telling them, the first commandment I'm telling them is I want you to be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters of the sea, fill the birds of the earth, fill up the earth. And so he's giving them his commandment on the, almost like day one, let's, let's, let's increase, let's abound. We're not going back, land. let's you know, no lack here. I want so many birds on this planet. There's a bird every five steps you take, you're going to see a bird. I mean, think about that. Anywhere you drive in America, you're going to see birds, you're going to see lizards, you're going to see bugs. He didn't make no shortage of any of that, did he? <laughs> some, some of those you say, Lord, we're going to get to heaven. We're going to ask you a few questions about some of these bugs. The, the NIV said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the waters and the seas. Let the birds increase on the earth. So he says, be fruitful, and I want you to increase. And so one thing I've learned is that knowing that the heart of God, go to Joshua 1, is that he's already, we're starting to see his character of who he is just from Genesis, from Deuteronomy. And I'm telling you, if you read through just those, the Torah, the 10 first five books, you'll see that, those words all the time. And you'll it constantly, so that's the essence and the number one reason why we believe in prosperity is because God, that's who he is as a core of himself, the essence of who he is. And so it's hard for people, I think F.F. Bosworth said, you cannot boldly claim something that you do not believe is available from God. And so prosperity has to be taught. The character of God has to be taught because a lot of times Bob Harrison said one time that he was the guy who turned um, Chrysler around back in the 80s or 90s in Southern California. And the one thing he said the Lord had to teach him was you can have prosperity. This is for you. Because he had grown up his entire life thinking he was not, you know, obviously the less he had, the more humble he was, the more righteous he was. And so we're going to get into to the Jews, how they believed that actually the more prosperous you were, the more holy you were to God. And so the American, you know, and I know Satan has done that because the United States is the biggest producer of missionaries, of, of Bibles, of books that go all over the world. And, you know, I heard Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. say the other day, 
People say that America's going under, and he said, if the Bible says you'll reap what you sow, and America's been sowing into other countries all these years, the gospel, and giving, and finances, and money, that's coming back to America. And so all the revivals we sowed into other countries, the last revival, and some of the biggest ones, will probably be here. Because you can, the Bible says you'll reap where you sow, and I love something Pastor Mark said, he said, I had to start teaching my people that because the Air Force base in Alexandria maybe 20 years ago moved out. And he said that the people got afraid because there was no work in Alexandria. And he said, this word of God will prosper. I don't care if we're in the middle of the desert. It, it'll work anywhere. It's, it's not bound. He says, you could start planting the word with your mouth in the middle of the desert and it'll start producing. And that's what happened for the Jews when they started coming home. The uh, Palestinians had it. And the Jews came home back home to the rightful land of what their faith, of what they believed was theirs and that it's supposed to produce because that's what their Torah says. And they started producing. And they're, you know, and so they don't, they don't have the New Testament because they, I don't know, my tour guide told me they stop at Second Chronicles. But he says, we don't have every Old Testament you have. So the Torah, the first five books, and then there's a few other books. But they read a lot of commentaries. And so when you see them at the Wailing Wall and they're sitting there and they're reading, it's a lot of rabbis commentating on other commentaries and other commentaries and other commentaries, eventually of the Old Testament. And so it's, it's just the, it's the craziest thing. But um, it'll work anywhere. And so he said what ended up happening was he showed his congregation that they took the promises of God and he started preaching it. And he said that their church went from 5000 a week to $75,000 a week in 20 years. And he said, it's not time does not produce that, but faith in the word, confessing the word. And he showed the people, it doesn't matter if the Air Force, because the Air Force base was producing all the jobs. And as soon as it was out, everybody was, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of Alexandria. And he told his congregation, no, we're going to stay right here and we're going to preach the word and it's going to produce. And his church prospered and to the point where eventually the Lord called Pastor Mark back out on the road and and he bought a jet and started preaching. And so that was a very, um, you know, because him and I had been talking about our church. And so he was teaching me some things that we can do. And I'll, I will share some of those with you tonight. So you can't boldly claim something that you do not believe that God is offering and God that is available to you. And so Joshua 1, God commanded Joshua to be prosperous. And so I'm going to go to Joshua 1. I wasn't even turning there. Is it on the screen? After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise and go over this Jordan and you and all this people to land which I am giving them. So look at that. He's giving them real estate. To the children of Israel. Next one. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, I have given you as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and from this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea towards going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life as it was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Next one. Be strong and of good courage for this is the people you shall divide as an inheritance to the land which I swore to their fathers. So notice this, that one of the things that God is doing right away with them is he's given them property. And you have to have property in order to have prosperity. Because um, I'm reading um, Money Mastery by Bill, Pastor Billy Epihart, and he says in foreign nations, when they go over and start working with the people, a lot of them don't have physical addresses. And so therefore, they can't register, they can't get loans, they can't have 
whatever it's going to take them to start having a prosperous life of which they need that it's, hey, that's where you live. This is where you get your mail. This belongs to you. Most of them don't have any, any of that. And so he says now that they're working with them to have those things, but that's, he says that will actually keep a nation from being prosperous is that one thing right there is land and territory because that's one thing the Lord told them to do is to get land. And so we'll keep going. They swore to their fathers to give them. Next one. Only be strong and very, very, very courageous that you may observe and do all according to the law which Moses, my servant, commanded that you do not turn from the right or the left and that you may be prosperous wherever you go. Is, is there one more or is that it? The, look, the book of this law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night that you may do, observe and do all according that's written in it for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. And so he's telling them there's actually a stipulation on this. To, to have good success, to have prosperity, the Bible will be in your mouth and you will be looking at it day and night to have this. And so that's what I was saying about Hebrews, about confessing this, the scriptures on prosperity. Actually, he says, then you will have it. And so you will have to say before you start to see it. And so that's what faith is. It's like what Pastor was saying the other night. I don't feel like a Christian. I don't feel saved. I don't feel prosperous. Speak the word anyway. Because faith will start following what you're saying, and then your feelings will eventually catch up. But your, your spirit, man, is the real you that's in contact. And like you're a, you're a spirit-speaking person, and that's what God did is he said. He didn't say, well, I don't feel like that the earth will be created today. I don't feel like saying it. He said it, and it did it anyway. So to prosperous means that you, to thrive, to be successful, it means to advance. It means to gain in anything good or desirable. It also means a good well-being. So Brother Copeland says in his little book, on laws of prosperity, he says that the laws of prosperity actually prosper every single thing in the kingdom of God. And it's all divinely connected to everything. And on how you know, much you receive from God, on, on healing, um, on your revelation of the word, because you know, like the Bible says that, I think Paul said, I've communicated unto you spiritual things, should I not reap of your material things? And Pastor Mark told me, he says, how you sow into someone who's putting spiritual things is actually how you'll reap um, or how you sow of your material to them is actually the revelation that you will continue to get from them. And so the more that you're giving to the person who's feeding you the word, actually there's a greater exchange of, he says, in order to keep from being an echo, the person or the ministry that's sowing spiritual things into you that should be where you're putting your finances. And so you'll have people, well, I give to this, I give to all these different things. And I think that's good. But he said that his main thing was Brother Hagen, was where he was receiving the word, and that's who he gave to the most, and that's where he received the revelation of the word. And, and to the degree that you sow into that person is to the, to the degree that you receive that revelation. And, when I, and he kind of broke that scripture down, and I was like, oh my goodness, I've never even thought about it that way. And so... I'll, um, to, you want to, it means to thrive, to advance, to gain anything good, desirable, and it also means a person's well-being. And so God's com- commanding or commissioning Joshua, meditate on the word and be prosperous. And so we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 9, 8. I'm going to read this in the Amplified Version. And so God is telling his children, his nation, I'm commanding you to be prosperous. 
man, that's, a, that's quite a statement. He's not even like saying, hey, if you want to be prosperous, I'm commanding you to do this. And so if he's commanding it, that means he's willingly offering that, that it's attainable and that you can do it. And that's why I want to go over the foundations because I think the deeper we get rooted in that, the reason God started a nation is so he could do it his way and the way he wanted to do it. And uh, you'll see, I think I'll read some scriptures about how all the other nations would get so jealous of them. But God was showing us today that how what he did with Israel is what he's doing with his people. And so that's kind of the, the Old Testament, a lot of types and shadows of foreseeing of Jesus coming. But once, I mean, Jesus came, it, nothing much really changed. If anything, uh, it, it even got, we, what is it, a better and more excellent covenant. And so 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, it says, oh, let's start. I'm going to start in 6. He who sows, remember this, he who sows sparingly, grudgingly will also reap sparingly. One translation says, he who plants a small crop will harvest or he who plants a few seeds will reap a very small harvest. He who also reaps sparingly and grudgingly, he who sows generously that the blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give as he's made up in his own mind, purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowful, under compulsion, for God loves, he takes pleasure in, he prizes above all other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a, a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in his giving. And God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. There's those words, blessings and abundance, so that you would always and under all circumstances and whatever the need, you'd be self-sufficient. That means you're not the one who's going around going, I'm looking for a blessing today. Lord, where's my blessing? I hope somebody blesses me. You're actually the person who is going and saying, Lord, where am I a blessing today? And I had to change that in my own mind after Dr. Rodney has a calendar and I, I flip through it every day. And he says, stop being the person on the end where you're always looking for a harvest, but be the person who's saying, Lord, who am I giving this harvest to? As you're the harvest giver, not on the kind of the welfare end of God going. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I think that you boldly declare what you need. And, and when you do sow a seed, you say, Lord, this is what I'm believing for. And thank you. And I am always expecting the best and looking, you know, because the Bible says that, that giving it shall be given, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, shall he cause men to give unto your bosom the same measure that you use. It'll be measured back to you. And so he's going to use men to give to you. And I, I know that scripture because I say it every single day. I wake up and I say, and I say it. God, men give unto my bosom today in the name of Jesus. People are given to me. But I had to change to, to Lord, I don't want to always be looking for the harvest, but I want to be the person who's going to be given the harvest. And so you have to make that switch in your mind. And so here it says, you'll be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support, furnished in abundance for every good work and every charitable donation. That means that every time a guest speaker comes, you can give to every one of them. And it's not going to even, you know, scrap your barrel of how much you got. Oh man, I got to I got to work, save up for the next one because we got one coming in three months. No, he said that I'll, you'll be able to give to every good work. That means if Mary Fran comes and then Rosa wants to go to Honduras and then this, that, you, you're, I mean, you can give to every good work and it's not going to, you'll still be self-sufficient. You'll require no aid or support. You'll be furnished. And so 
That's a promise that he's saying. And he says, as it's written, the benevolent person scatters abroad. He gives to the poor. The deeds of justice and goodness and kindness and benevolence will go on and endure forever. Your giving now will affect your eternity. How you give and your finances will affect. It says that, I mean, think about forever, never ends. Forever, 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 forever. You're giving now. Every year, if there is years up there, probably won't be. But it'll never end your prosperity and how you gave. And it says, and he's talking, this is almost an entire chapter about giving. Like first, uh, Second Chronicles, I think where David, the Bible has times where it talks about, and people say that the Bible doesn't say a lot about, it says a lot about money. This is a whole chapter. And he says he's going to provide seed to the sower. And so seed to the sower. If you're a sower and your heart is in your giving, he's giving you seed. Uh, last month I went out to Pastor Mark and I said, I desire to sow a seed. Lord, give me a seed. And right when I got there, somebody handed me some money and I was able to put a seed in. Because he says he supplies seed to the sower. And so if you're not sowing and you're not a sower, you, there may not be any seed. That's why you don't have any seed coming to you. Because your heart is not in your giving. Your heart is in, man, I, I need to survive. And so you have to, as he commanded them in the Old Testament, that tithing was never optional and that he told them, he, he commanded them to do it and that they would be prosperous and in Deuteronomy. And I think we'll get to some of that. And so um, the heart of God is prosperity. Jesus multiplied loaves and fishes, filled Peter's boat, all of his partners, and Jesus didn't even hide it from people. I mean, he wasn't like, hey, this is, uh, this is way too much. There's a lot of anti-prosperity guys here. We can't, you know, we're about to fill all these boats up. We can't, let's go put this behind, you know. No, Jesus let everybody see it. They called all the boats in. They're breaking the nets. And so sometimes I don't really think that it, God cares. And I heard one preacher came up, well, I don't want to show up in your church today in my nice car just because I didn't know. And I said, brother, bring your car. It's your, your whatever you're driving is not going to affect us. We're not, I, don't, I do not care. If anything, if a doctor shows up driving an old Pinto, he's not going to be my doctor. You know what I mean? But he's got, a lawn, and he's got a lawnmower in the back of his pickup truck because that's a side hustle. No, I want him to know that he's prosperous at that profession, that he knows what he's talking about. When he goes and does surgery on me, I want to know that, he, that people pay him good money because he's good, right? And so when a preacher shows up and he's broke, and he's preaching the word, you, you're going to get the same results he's getting because that's where he's at. And so if he shows up, like Pastor Mark, the first time he showed up, I was like, oh my, who is this guy? Shows up on a jet and all this stuff. But his word when he preached was just as strong as, I mean, it backed up everything that he said. And the first thing that he did to me was he pulled me in the back room. He handed me a couple hundred dollar bills and he said, I just want to bless you. And I said, man, I've never had a preacher do that to me. If anything, a lot of preachers were always looking for my dad Hey, how much money came in? You know, the evangelists, they're looking for their check and they're out of here. Pastor Mark came and gave an offering. Gave to dad. He took up the first offering. Because I just listened to the message. It was $35,000 and my dad's medical bills were that exact amount. He handed the check to my dad, got back on his plane, which costs about 5000 every time he flies and flew to the next church. And he handed me a bunch of money. He, he's not, that, I mean, and I said, Wow, who is this man? He's not coming. He's coming to be a blessing. He didn't have to be here. But the Lord told him, I want you to go to this church. And he says, I could go to some big churches, but I don't. I don't like the pastor. But I like this pastor. And I'm coming to preach here. And so that really made a huge, and he said one thing. He said, don't ever, from this day forward, he said, say, I never lack for money. 
And he said, I better not hear you talking lack from this day you know, forward. He, I'm like, I don't even know this guy. And he's chewing me out. And so I've never um, lost that because you can't boldly proclaim the word and then talk lack for the next six days of the week. Because Brother Hagin says that'll keep finances from coming to you. Because everything is built off the word of God and it's, everything is spiritual. And so it'll happen in the spirit realm before it messed or manifest in the natural realm and you got to keep your mouth and your faith hooked up and so even this morning you know I, I didn't feel very prosperous when I woke up woke up and I was um doing some some finances and uh, I was looking at my credit score and my house was on the app it's like credit karma or something and it was telling me what my house my property is worth right now it's like three hundred thousand dollars oh glory to god I'm rich you know land rich and so, you know, about a year ago, it was like at the 200s. And so they're like, well, you owe whatever this much on the house. But, and I was thinking, man, I, I'm prosperous. The Lord had me do that seven years ago. I didn't have any money. And mom said, no, we're going to use our faith. You're going to buy a house. And that was when I started listening to Pastor Mark's messages. And we were always, dad always preached prosperity. But we need a little kick up to the next level. You know what I mean? You know, people that want to do these extreme sports and they extreme skydiving. He said, why don't you do some extreme giving? You know, give so much one Sunday that your hands break out in a sweat. You know, woo, I just gave more than I've ever given. But he says people in the natural will do that, right? They'll jump out of airplanes. They'll, they'll ride the biggest wave and they could die. That thing in Hawaii, that big wave at the pipeline. And he says, why don't you try some extreme giving? It's a lot safer than, <laughs> than riding a big wave. And I thought that. I said, he said, you want to be an extreme sports person, do this. And I, he says, most people, even the most extreme people will never do that because that shows where their heart is. And I, I kind of took that and I said, you know, I've, I've always been into like motorcycles and maybe I should become an extreme giver and see what happens with God. And so um, that had, you know, meeting him seven years ago changed my life so much to where I was living with mom and dad on their couch, you know, moving back and forth and to where he started feeding me the word and talking to me and kind of coaching me as like a mentor. And they say that your income varies, what, $20,000 or $40,000 from the five average of the five people you spend the most time with. Your income will vary somewhere around that. And so spending time with him, talking with him about faith, you know, he'll call me sometimes or, or just in reading his books, that got me off my parents' couch to where he told me, pray in the Holy Spirit every day. He said, you need to do two things. You need to be thankful to God, because uh, Keith Moore says, being thankful increases your capacity to receive. And uh, one pastor said, to complain is to remain. Complaining is just you're expressing a dislike about something that you don't like. And he, um, I think it was Creflo Dollar actually said this, that the children of Israel complained and they all died. And so you'll remain, they remained exactly where they were when they were complaining. And that in the desert, right where they were at. And so one thing Pastor Mark said, you need to change your complaint in your mouth, be thankful. The second thing is you need to pray in the spirit every single day. And at that time, I'm like, what does that have to do with, I need money. I need a, mom's over there, you need another job. You need to get off my couch. You know, uh, you need to work more hours. And I'm thinking, I agree. And Pastor Mark's telling me, pray in the spirit. And I'm thinking that I need money, God, money. So I said, okay, I'm going to pray in the Spirit every day. I'm going to take you up on this offer. So I'm praying in the Spirit. And in two years, I'm sitting on eight acres of property. And I had a little studio that um, me and a guy from this church, we built in Mount Dora. And I would go there to get away from my parents. You know, it was just crazy in the house all the time. And I'm, I'm 20-something living there. 
moved back like the fifth or sixth time or whatnot. And I went in there and prayed every day. And that's when that property opened up. And it was, I mean, during the 2008 crash, it went way down. And right as the market was about to come back up, it was, mom goes, we have the money. We, they, we, I don't know if they had sold a property in Tennessee and she had the cash to finance the bill because you have to have a working house and a toilet to get you know, all your, your loans and whatnot. And so she said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to buy it. You're going to get the loan from the bank and then you're going to pay me back. And that's exactly what we did. Once the house was furnished, I went in, I got the loan. Once they saw everything was good. And, and then um, obviously seven years later, I'm still grateful to have that piece of property. But that, that came from hanging around somebody who talked about prosperity. And you got to hear it. And so Pastor Mark said one time, he asked the Lord, Jesus, why did you spend so much time teaching? Because it says he went about the villages teaching and preaching and proclaiming the kingdom of God. And he would preach so long sometimes that the people would get hungry and then he'd have to feed them and take care of their natural needs. So Jesus did both. He took care of people's spiritual, but he took care of people's natural needs. And he said, because if everything was up to the receiving, if everything was up to God, you would have gotten it already. But what was he dealing with? He was dealing with the receiving part of man. What he was doing is like T.L. Osborne said, people are saying, we're ready for you to stop preaching so we can get our healing. You can come lay hands on us. He said, no, I'm waiting for you to get healed so I can quit teaching and you can get your healing. And so T.L. Osborne would teach the word of God. And so doing the works of Jesus, going about the villages, teaching the kingdom of God is what is what hearing, faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of God. And so you need to constantly be hearing faith. And constantly, there's a message that he preached in this church during Bible school, and it's three hours on prosperity. I've listened to it five or six times already. And I go back over and over and over, because you don't get it the first time. And I just keep soaking it. Because there's something, once you hit a level, now we don't teach people to do crazy things in this church. We're not saying, you know, go from, because you're not going to go from, you know, sowing, $500 to $500,000. That's, you're going to climb the ladder one peg at a time. And that was one thing that he told me. You're going to go from faith to faith. You're going to move up one step at a time, but you need to constantly be stretching your faith. You need to constantly get the scriptures out and confess them in the morning and then go, oh, you know what? Next time I go to this meeting, I'm going to give more than I gave last time. And constantly, like a, a performance person, you're stretching yourself in that area to go to the next level and to always be and, and like he was saying, to, he told Abraham, I want you to increase. I want you to be fruitful. I want you to multiply. I want it to grow. I want you to subdue the earth. And so God's always stretching you. And, don't, and I, for me, uh, not getting complacent in my giving. And so people give me stuff. I mean, Zach knows this all the time. People give me gift cards, and it's like $50, $100. And I'm like, ooh, I'd love to go eat there. You know, I'm going to sow it. Seed in the ground, seed in the ground, seed in the ground. Why? Because I want to stretch my faith. I want to stretch my giving. I want to get into some extreme areas of giving. I want to see if, if it worked for Pastor Mark in the last 20 years and I, I'm following this man as he follows Christ. I want to follow his faith because it's working for him. A lot of guys preach the gospel, but is it working for him? So you got to find somebody who's preaching it and it's actually bringing results in their life. And so, you know, Brother Hagin made a statement that there was um, a bunch of guys and there was a Pentecostal church and they were preaching, running, jumping, shouting and rolling and not even a quarter fell out of the man's pocket. And so he said that they could preach good, they could teach good, they were very motivational, but they didn't have any money and they were broke. And so when you don't have money, it's very hard to establish the kingdom of God when you don't have finances. I mean, we wouldn't have a church, we wouldn't have this wonderful AC that we're all sitting under. We wouldn't be able to print books. You can't get on TV, you can't get on radio, you can't go to Honduras. 
and bless people and give them what Bibles and and then you got them chickens and you're teaching them to you know to grow and to provide for themselves you can't do that without finances and you need money to do that it takes money to preach the gospel and so I'm getting way ahead of myself and so um, Jesus was all I mean when a fig tree wasn't even prosperous and it wasn't even the season Jesus cursed it I wonder if that's because as him being God and everything was probably supposed to produce all the time and before sin, I wonder if he was just so mad because it was supposed to be, you know, he just cursed it. Because it says it wasn't even the season for figs, but the leaves were there because it was getting ready in the NLT. It says it was getting ready for the season. It didn't have any fruit on it and Jesus just cursed it. You're not even producing fruit. You'll dry up and no man will ever eat from you ever again. So it even, even made Jesus upset that a tree wasn't prospering. And God wants you to prosper. He wants you to increase. And so um, the second reason why, oh, the second thing is, is do we prosper to build bigger barns? So this is where we'll start talking about some of the warnings of prosperity. So we see that it's the heart of God. It is the design of God to prosper. I mean, even Jesus gave five talents, two talents, and one talent. And the two, one, the two men that brought back the talents, and he says, that good and faithful servant, come in and receive your reward from the Lord. And the one servant that took his talent and buried it and did nothing, he said, you wicked and lazy servant, you'll be cast into outer darkness for eternity. So even that, in the heart of God, I give you something, I want to return, I want you to prosper. I'm commanding you. So when does prospering start becoming kind of where you start hitting the, the, the scriptures, like I said, that are the warnings. And so we're going to go to Luke uh, 12, 16 through 21. And I may... I'll read this one, Deuteronomy, while you're going to Luke. Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that gives you the power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant, which he swore unto your fathers. Oh, I'm jumping way ahead. Wasn't supposed to say that yet. Why are we supposed to prosper? So I'm just going to jump ahead. We, we, we prosper to establish the covenant. That's what he says in Deuteronomy 8.18. You'll remember the Lord your God. He gives you the power to get wealth. So he's telling them, I want you to get wealth. I may establish my covenant, which I swore unto thy fathers, as it is this day. Um, and so we're going to, let's read from where it gets dangerous is in Luke twelve sixteen. he says a parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded abundant harvest. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he says, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, be merry, and God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you, and this is, you'll get what you've prepared for yourself. This is how it is, it'll be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but he's not rich towards God. So he's saying where it gets dangerous is because the Bible says he promises that you'll have barns, he'll fill thy storehouse, thy bread, thy basket shall have plenty. I'll fill your barns with an abundance. But what he's saying here is there's a man who's saying, I'm going to build bigger barns, and then I'm going to store more stuff, and then I'm going to sit around, and I'm not going to be rich toward God. I'm not going to do a single thing 
This is my money and it's for me. And God said, you fool. Your, your life will be required tonight. And so where it gets dangerous is where your purpose in life is no longer about the kingdom of God, it's about you. And you're, you're, that's where you're, you're starting to seek money, you're starting to become covetous, because we just saw all those scriptures where God says, I want you to prosper. But don't prosper at the expense of where your heart, you start waking up every day and it's, I gotta get more money, I gotta get more money from me. No, he said, you're not rich towards God. And so one thing that Billy Epperhart said was the reason you build barns is so you can give it away. And so um, there was a man, I'm trying to think of his name, and it may be, uh, oh, I don't know if it was Andrew Carnegie. He said, I'll spend the first half of my life building wealth, and the second half of my life, I'll spend giving it away. And so your life to establish the kingdom is to build and to gain wealth to establish the kingdom of God and the covenant of God on the earth. And one thing that Billy Epperhart teaches in his um, book, Money Mastery, is the first X is earned income. And, you know, you're trading your time or, or your value for, for time, and you get paid one time. The second X is you're, you're passive or you're starting to manage your assets, you manage your business. Now you're getting paid multiple times for, you know, and the money starts rolling in. Once you get to the third X is what the Lord showed them, which is where now you're giving away 90% of your income. And now you're establishing the kingdom of God on the earth. And uh, he says that he got to the point where he was living off literally 10% of his income. And he's like, how much can I do with all this money? And that's where the Lord said, the three X's I'll show you, you'll hit, you'll, you'll get into every area of society. And once that you start to prosper, he says, then I'll show you what to do with the money in this book. And so one thing that he said was, what would happen is they would, he was watching crusades happen in nations and people were getting saved. And then the evangelists would leave. Then what would happen is other groups, religious groups, would come in and offer them microfinance loans. A microfinance loan is a weekly loan. It's very tiny. You give somebody enough money to maybe go buy some goods, some products, and they can like maybe make a fruit stand, and they can sell it in a foreign nation and start building you know, stewardship, wealth, uh, confidence in who they are. And these people have no jobs and no money, but they offer them very little loans. And so what would happen is these nations would come in and say, if you turn from Jesus and take this money, uh, we'll give it to you. And they would do it. They would, because they would like, they would get saved, but then there was no, there was no, so it was like Jesus, he didn't just feed them spiritually. He also fed them with bread and with food and with natural things. He took care of the people. And so he said that the Lord started showing them to take whatever he had earned from ministry or, or his, um, he was Billy Epperhart had, he's made millions and millions and millions of dollars. And he said, one of the funny things was he was teaching to 30 people one night and he made two tapes. And he thought, you know, this will be probably the highlight of my pastoral career is this little church. Well, a man walked in because he's been praying over divine relationships that the Lord would start bringing divine connections to him. A man and his wife walked in from out of town they took his two cassette tapes. One was like about the family and one was back about your dreams. And the dad liked the dreams one so much and the mom liked the, uh, the one about family so much that they owned a, they were a, part of a huge publishing network where they would send 35,000 cassette tapes out every week to their viewers or listeners. So they called him and said, we want to do this. And he said that, it's, and he said, oh, I don't, I don't, you know, he didn't know the guy. And so he took the offer up and, Next thing you know, 30,000 tapes a week are going out. 
And he said that there was so much money came in that he didn't have to take an income from the church anymore, and he started living in the second X. And that's when he started building wealth. Then he says what happens is, is you have to learn how to manage that second X because what happens is people, they still they just, in American culture, he says we're such consumers where we're always spending, spending, spending. And so he studied a Jewish mindset. And I want to read a little bit to you of this Jewish mindset because the Lord started to show him this, that a Jewish mindset, there's a word that the Jews will learn while they're younger, and it's called uh, Tikkun olam, is that word, is that thing? Yeah, tikkun olam. And it means to perfect the world, or we repair the world by elevating it to be holy by getting involved in the wealth creation process. And so I wanna read this. Another thing we find in the Jewish mindset is to consider the consideration of work. Oh my gosh, we're almost out of time. When we study the Old Testament, there are several words in the Hebrew language for the word worship. Um, I don't know how to say this word. It's one of the primary words for worship, and it also means work. Since the Jews see accumulation of wealth as a virtue, and they believe they're partnering with God in the creative process, they see work as worship. The secret Jewish wealth uh, rabbi, Celestio something, writes this. One of the great differences that sets Jews apart from other cultural groups is that we see our wealth as a means to partner with God, as a way to bring God's kingdom into the earth a concept that we call tikkun olam, perfecting the world. We perfect the world by using our God-given wealth to further God's realm on this planet. So what you see that the Jewish people are in pursuit of wealth is often paired with the pursuit of charitable works, not only for selfish purposes. So that's how they think all the time. In other words, when you get involved in this wealth creation process, we're taking the mundane and we're elevating it to become holy as long as we're doing it God's way. God gives us the power to get wealth, to empower and impact our world. So they said one thing that it means is we repair the world by elevating it to be holy. Now, if you know anything about the Jews in the last two years, they've, I was reading something about them that they have the most startups in the world as far as startups. And there's a word called unicorn startups is a startup that makes a billion dollars within maybe what the first year or something like that. And so in 2020 or 2021, they had 40 unicorns come out of Israel, which is $40 billion companies each start up and become billionaire companies within that year. And so that's the way, because that's how they think. And their process is, is so different is because um, number one, the military pushes them really hard and they start giving them responsibility while they're young. They start teaching them while they're young. Uh, he says, you can ask one Jew and you'll get two to three different opinions from one Jew. Put them all in a room. He says, we'll fight, we'll argue, we'll debate. And it almost become a heated battle. And at the end of the day, once they come to a conclusion about a product or whatever, they'll drop it, they'll hug, they'll laugh, they'll go out, they'll get food. And he says that the Americans, he says, you argue with them, they'll get offended and they'll never be your friend again. Jews, they'll get in a room and they'll argue. I mean, they'll tell you your opinion's wrong. The business is gonna fail. You're dumb, whatever, you're, you're wrong. And the next thing you know, at the end of the day, this is a decision. Okay, let's all go have fun. We're gonna go eat, drink, be merry or whatever. And he says, that's the thing is, you know, the Jews have a whole different mindset about debating and whatnot. And he says, you can get three Jews in a room and you'll have 16 different opinions. <laughs> and so that, and so that but they've, they're born to think of this wealth creation process as a way to partner with God. The second thing was they, the Jews believe they established his covenant. And so 
um, the last thing that the reason why you need finances is Paul needed the support of churches. Your prosperity, your generosity towards God affects your spiritual, spiritual walk. Gifts of the Spirit, healing, preaching is directly connected to your giving. Kenneth Copeland. Cornelius' prosperity was translated into something spiritual. Cornelius was a man not even saved, giving alms daily, giving to the poor. God said, send Peter to his household, get his whole family saved, filled with the Spirit. So his finances had a spiritual effect on him, did it not? And so your giving has a spiritual effect on you. And so um, Philippians 4, I'm going to read this, this one, 4, 10 through 23, the passage. My heart overflows with joy when I think about how you demonstrated love to me by your financial support of my ministry. So there he's telling people that the giving to, to support the ministry. For even though you have so little, you continue to help me in every opportunity. I'm telling you this because I'm in need. For I've learned to be satisfied in any circumstance. I know what it means to lack. I know what it means to experience overwhelming abundance. For I'm trained the secret of overcoming all things, whether in fullness or hungry. And I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. You've so graciously provided for my essential needs during this season of difficulty. For I want you to know that the Philippian church was the only church that supported me in the beginning as I went out to preach the gospel. You were the only church that sowed into me financially when I was in Thessalonica. You supported me well over a year. I mention this not because I'm requesting a gift, but so that the fruit of your generosity may bring an abundant reward. I now have all I need, more than enough. I'm abundantly satisfied. I've received the gift you sent by Epiditus and viewed it as a sweet sacrifice, a perfume with fragrance to your faithfulness, which is so pleasing to God. I'm convinced that my God will fully satisfy every need you have, for I've seen an abundant riches of glory revealed to me through Jesus Christ, and our, the God, our Father, will receive all the glory and the honor throughout the eternities of eternities. Amen. So prosperity is very vital to the production and the producing of the gospel getting out, of preachers getting out, producing the gospel. And he said that their generosity was going to bring an abundant reward for them. And so you can't have the gospel reaching the world without you being filled with the knowledge of prosperity of what God actually said. And so... One translation says that it, it, uh, many thanksgiving to God by people because of your prosperity. And so your prosperity affects people. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 11, I'm just going to go over these. We've sown spiritual things. Is it great that we reap your material things? Uh, Luke 16, 11, if you've not been faithful with unrighteous mammon, which is money, God will not commit to you to trust true riches, so you actually cannot receive true riches or spiritual things until God says you're faithful with unrighteous mammon. If you're, when, until you become faithful with money, I'm not giving you any more. Why? He can't trust you with even something as simple as a dollar. Why is he going to give you the gifts of the Holy Spirit where you're walking around and laying hands on people and the anointing's falling? He's not going to give you that. He's not going to give you more if, he's not, if you can't even do the, the basics of just tithing, giving, and offerings and sowing. Because that, that's dangerous. I mean, that can really, if someone, sowing and tithing really builds your character, especially when you start putting faith in God. And you need that for when you start stepping over into more of the gifts of the Spirit. And so it'll ruin you when you, you have all that and you haven't even done the fundamentals of the basics. And... Uh, one thing, I'll just read the last two. Solomon came to Jerusalem. This is 2 Chronicles. Oh, I want to read this, Isaiah 43, uh, 45, 3. I will give you the treasures of darkness 
and the hidden riches of secret places, that you may know that I, the Lord, who called you by name, the God of Israel. I didn't see that until I was reading his book. I will give you treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places. Take these scriptures and meditate on them. God's saying, I'm going to give you. So you wake up. He gives me the treasures of darkness. He gives me hidden riches in Jesus' name of secret places. And I know that he's the Lord. And I've been called by his name. Turn those into confessions. Every day that you wake up and start calling those things out. And uh, that's a great one. So he prospered Solomon. Solomon came to Jerusalem, the high place that was at Gibeon, from before the tabernacle, the meeting, and he reigned over Israel. Solomon gathered chariots, horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horsemen, whom he stationed at the chariot cities with the king in Jerusalem. And the king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stones. He made cedars as abundant as the sycamores, which are in the lowland. There, the, what is the Lord said? I am the Lord, and I've created the silver and the gold, and all of them are mine. Solomon, it was, it was so common to have silver and gold during his time. And that was because he asked the Lord for wisdom. And the Lord said, because you didn't ask me for anything else but for wisdom, I'm going to give you everything. And so the people, I mean, imagine if we had gold. I mean, Teresa would be happy. She could have all kind of necklaces. But that's, I mean, this is old covenant, and the Lord told them, that they could have this. And so I think that as people today, we need to start taking these scriptures and, and saying, you know what? We can have this that our church is abundantly provided for. We have so much that we can give away. Uh, last one, Job 22. And the reason he said that now, acquaint yourselves with him, be at peace, 22, 21 through 25. Be at peace, thereby good will come to you. Receive, please, instruction from his mouth. Lay up his words in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you'll be built up. You'll remove iniquity far from your tents. You've got to get the sin out. Then you will lay up your gold in, in dust. And the gold of fear, or however that word is, among the stones of the brooks, yes, the Almighty, will be your gold and your precious silver. One thing he said is in this um, scripture, it was referring to Solomon. That, they had, that you'll have, if you return to God, there'll be such an abundance. But he said, take the gold the precious silver, and he said, lay it up. It don't, it's not the main thing. It's not number one. Then the Lord will be your precious gold and your silver. And he said, that abundance of Solomon have, you'll have that. And so that was promises to the people. And so the Jews believed it because of the covenant that they were supposed to be processed or, or pro prosperous. And actually, it actually says that in the word that your righteousness will be established. And so... God prospering them was their righteousness being established or even in this time. And so that's the kingdom of God. And so we're to prosper that he clearly made these, these statements that prosperity is for this time, that we should have this, that, that we need this, that it's number one, it's the character of God. Number two, it's to establish a covenant. And the third thing is, is it's to get the gospel out. And so God is wanting you to prosper. And so really the foundation of prosperity is that you have to believe that God wants me prosperous before you'll go out. Because most people think, man, this is all I'm ever gonna have. This is this whatever, this welfare check, this or this my income, that's it for me. No, God says, I want you to increase. I want you to be prosperous. You'll lay up so much gold like Solomon had, but until you believe it, until you see it, like Pastor says, if you can't see what you can't see, you're never gonna see it. If you don't think that way, if you don't talk that way, you're always gonna be, man, I, I, I live paycheck to paycheck. 
And that was never the will of God for people. He says, I want you to abound and be self-sufficient and abounding in this grace that you would require no aid or support, that you'd be furnished in abundance for every good work, every charitable deed, every donation, that you're not gonna be needing to require help from people. And so that was 2 Corinthians 9, 8, that God's saying that as you give, that he loves a cheerful giver, a prompt to do a giver. But take these scriptures out every week and confess them because one thing Pastor Mark told me is confess the word every week, every day. Then tell the ministering spirits to go out and cause the money to come. Satan to take his hands off the money and then say the money will come. So the church was financially struggling a few months ago and I told mom and dad that and they said we're gonna do that. And we're believing God for a certain amount and we were way under. We had, there was another amount. I said, well, let's believe for this. And they're like, we've never hit that amount. I said, well, let's just believe for it because we've already hit those other amounts for the church. And we needed to get back in the black because we're, you know, the, the account's draining quick. And so I said, this is what Pastor Mark said in that three-hour-long finance thing that I watched, and I caught it after like the fourth time. And I said, let's say it. Let's pray. We say in the name of Jesus, we boldly claim this amount of money. Satan, take your hands off our money because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Now, ministering spirits, ministering spirits that are set forth to minister to what? Heirs of salvation. Go cause the money to come, and the money will come. So the next week, I walked in here, and mom was in her office, and she said, guess what? And I said, what? She said, we went over the money we were believing God for, and we were jumping and dancing and shouting. We went over like $900. And this was an amount the church has never even hit in the history of, of the church on a weekly basis. It was like 1,000 or two over. And so we hit over that and then another almost 1,000 over it. And so I called Pastor Mark and I said, Pastor Mark, I said, you know that message you preached back in February? I've been listening. And then he said, oh, that's, that's good. He said, oh, oh, and the last thing, you, you need to say the money will come because I wasn't saying that. And just say the money will come. And so he said, every week that you miss or you're not doing it, he says you get laxed. Satan, he's not getting laxed. He's coming to steal, kill, and destroy. He's going to bottleneck. He's the God of the world, the world's finances. And so his job is he's, John McMillan said that Satan will fight the spiritually energetic child of God more than anyone. Why? Because they're establishing the kingdom. And so in order for you, you're going to boldly claim every week, and you can't slack off of it. You can't. I mean, not saying it, but I, I, I try not to forget a week. Lord, this is what I'm claiming for my finances. I boldly claim this amount. Lord, this is what I'm claiming for the church. Satan, get your hands off the money. Stop bottlenecking it. Get off our people. Every week I'm, I'm just, you know, because he, he's not, every week he's coming after this place. There's always somebody crazy walking in here, something crazy happening. And so every week I'm coming after him. This is how it's going to be. We're going to declare, hold fast, Hebrews 4, thy confession of faith. And the Bible says that if you do not waver, you'll actually see the promise. And so the Lord has even been getting on me to continue to break open my, this is my little confession booklet. And um, I have all kinds of different topics in here about prosperity. Um, this is a good one. Instead of shame and dishonor, I'll enjoy a double share of honor. I'll possess a double portion of prosperity in my land and everlasting joy will be mine. Isaiah 61, 7. And so those are ones that, um, if you abide in me and my words are living in you, ask whatsoever you will, and it'll leap into being, it will become a fact. In the literal translation of John 15, 7. I mean, these are, I, every morning I say these things. These are my confessions. And I'm going to see that because God said, and then he saw what he said. 
not, not based on how he felt. And so half the time, I feel like it starts getting worse, and then it gets better because Satan will start attacking you as soon as that harvest is coming, and you gotta just get on that word and stay on it, and even when things, everything's kind of turning upside down because he's gonna challenge it. What do, do you really believe what you're saying? Because he doesn't want you to have the money. Because once you start taking the seven pinnacles of influence, religion, the arts, entertainment, the business world, uh, Billy talks about that in all these books, the Jews believe they're supposed to take all the mountains of influence. And that's how they establish holiness in the earth, is to br- their finances to bring him into those mountains so they can establish his covenant. And so that is our job, and that's what we're to do. And so I want to pray over you guys and pray over your finances tonight. I hope that helped. It's kind of a basic message on why do we believe in prosperity? Well, it's the nature of God. And number two is to establish his covenant. And the third is to get the gospel out. That's why we believe it, because you can't preach the gospel without money. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you, Father, that in your nature you told Abraham to be prosperous. You told Joshua to be prosperous. You told the children of Israel, be fruitful, multiply, to increase in thy herds and increase into, into everything that you touch your hand. I'll bless it. And, you, and then you said that I'm going to establish my covenant. You brought your covenant word into this and said, this is how I'm, I'm going to show the people of the earth that my covenant is with you as I will prosper you. And then to get the gospel, Father, I pray every person's finances, that you begin to bless them, that as we change the way we believe, as we wake up with a sense of God wants me to prosper today. He's believing in me. He has made me in his image, and I'm made to prosper. And I thank you that as we get a revelation of that, as we, that changes our mindset, that no, we're no longer, that as we're made in your image, we're no longer waking up going, God, I hope I get by today and next paycheck to paycheck. But no, Father, you, you commanded Joshua to be prosperous and to be of good courage and to meditate. And we thank you, Father, that every, I pray over every person that finances are coming, that they're no longer the borrower, but they're the lender. And they're no longer looking for someone to bless them, but they're actually walking out looking to bless somebody that day. And we'll have that in this church. Father, we're gonna be like what Pastor Mark said, where we teach prosperity. We believe in prosperity. We're not ashamed. Jesus says, if you're ashamed before my father or ashamed of me before men and ashamed of my words, I'll be ashamed of you before the father. And we're not ashamed of prosperity. We're not ashamed of the goodness of God. And we thank you for that. And Father, I thank you for just miracles and things working in people's lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give... So that what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.